You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name is Sean Kelly and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Thank you to Connor Brennan and uh, the new guy on the show. Um, I miss Frank and Jerry, but I think Connor did a great job for his debut. Um, Good show and uh, looking forward to following him over the next couple of weeks. In two hours, we will have Lenny and the Jazz show in. And joining me in the studio this morning is the world's best wingman ever, (laughs) Pete Skeeler. Good morning, Pete. How are you, mate? Uh, Morning, Sean. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pumped after last night's game and uh, looking forward to everything kicking off. And there's obviously other games as well, too. Absolutely. No, look, I think um, everyone who's a fan of the game would be um, happy with last night's game. I thought um, it was wonderful to listen to the... uh, I watched the girls last night play, and we'll talk about that as we go through the show. A couple of things... 50,629 people, an Australian record for yep. the stadium. So brilliant news there. I mean, they're, they're behind it. The girls were a little bit miffed at how quiet they were. I don't think they were that quiet, but the, the 12th and girl was, was evident. <laughs> well, let's be honest, that, that crowd number is going to get broken again when the tournament oh, proper starts. Isn't it so, ever? Yeah. yeah. But look, great, great start. Um, and also, we've got a couple of things happening. West Ham have been massive everywhere they go. Um, <laughs> we'll have a Perth this, this week. No bias there. No bias at all. <laughs> <laughs> Sat here in my, my West Ham shirt with my glory jacket. I'm, I'm, I'm quite confused today, really. <laughs> but, you know, look, it doesn't matter. The game's the winner. But they have been you know, quite evident. Leaving strikers, you know, it's impressive, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, yeah, they've been out and about in the town. I think it's 
generated a lot of good publicity on the TV, and I'll talk to Donna um, very shortly about what's going on, but I think they did extremely well. Talking about the, the show today, we're going to start off with uh, Donna Gouffray. It's been a bit of a mess this week, um, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, but Donna's DT38, and she'll be talking about this. She, she's going to be busier than the Millwall goalkeeper in a, a, a game against West Ham. You know, that's it. She's she's busy as. Um, then we're going to follow up with Tash Rigby, who is the captain of the Perth Glory W side. Um, just signed a new contract, so uh, we'll talk to Tash about that and women's football in general. Then I've got Dave Craddock, who is in charge of the exhibition at Boroloo with the, the museum mm-hmm. for the um, Game Changers event. So that's, um, uh, that's something well worth getting into, and we'll, we'll talk about that when he comes on. And then we're going to finish off with Phil Kelly, who's going to talk about something he doesn't even know what he's going to talk about yet but we started off this morning with um Hayley Roach who was uh, obviously the person we had on our presser but she's woken up this morning with the flu and is um yeah unable to be on air so look we we're flexible we've got people coming off a bench you know we get an injury and that's what we do you know yeah so um, just an explanation if anyone has sort of read our media release and then thought hang on that's not what's listed there it's going to be look it may not even what i've just said may may not come true so it is just the way it is and that that's real life football for you um all right we're well, a couple of minutes away from from getting done on but um I see a, a text this morning or on the, the Tottenham on the way. Harry Kane, yes. Harry Kane is on the plane. There were photos yet, yeah, yeah. released. By and I, and I believe Hugo Lloris is taking the week off. Ah, so what are you going to make of that? I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of players. It's like I'm glad to see that Harry's on the plane um, because you know he's been involved in a lot of football and he's he's still coming. I think West Ham had a number of them playing in under-21s and international matches around the world. So um, a lot of those guys that are on international duty were given the option and they've chosen not to come. Mm-hmm. I think um, Maxwell Cornet maybe they've got him in cotton wool because he's a bit injury-prone, but uh, he hasn't made the trip. Um, so there's a few of them that haven't, but they've still got enough stars in there to, to make it worthwhile. Oh yeah. But it's good to see that um, Harry Kane is... Um, making the trip and i did did take a look uh, tickets to both sets of matches are still available as yes. well so it's not yes. a sellout yet not a sellout yet but look for, from the state perspective i've seen some posts this morning um people flying in from canberra to, to the west ham game yeah you know um i don't know how many are going to stay and watch the spuds but you know <laughs> <laughs> No bias intended. None whatsoever. <laughs> um, and talking about bias, um, there was a, a few friendlies last night in the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah. And, and one of them got a little spicy. That's right. Uh, Colombia and Ireland. Uh, actually, the match was played behind closed doors, so we yeah. don't have footage of it. No. Uh, but it, the match was abandoned after 20 minutes due to uh, excessive roughness. Shall we say uh, one of the Irish lads, uh, lasses? <laughs> I'm so used to saying lads. Uh, lasses was actually uh, off to hospital yep. um, after a tackle. So 20 minutes in, they abandoned the match. Uh, Ireland continued with a, just a full-on training session instead. Uh, and the the lady in question actually had played in the W League, uh, Denise O'Sullivan. So we don't know exactly, you know, 
whether she'll be playing, you know, whether it's a serious injury or not. But I guess if they've taken her to hospital, it was uh, at least serious at the time. But she had played in the W League for both Canberra and uh, Western Sydney Wanderers in the past. Yeah, and, and look, not good for the game, but um, just a shame we couldn't see it. Well, true, and um, I mean, for what it's worth, I'll just mention that uh, as Perthites, we do get to see Columbia play here, so, you know, you might want to rethink that. I, I suspect that's the match that will draw the lowest crowd uh, here in Perth, um, you know, Morocco versus Colombia. but if you like your um, UFC, maybe that might also catch you catch yeah. you a bit. Yeah, oh, no, look, it, uh, and there's been a couple of other friendlies played as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, England, uh, England and Canada played out a nil-all draw, which I, uh, I mean, you can't read too much into pre uh, into pre-tournament friendlies. He says after having been so excited about the Matildas win last night, <laughs> um, uh, Spain absolutely thumped Vietnam nine-nil, and Italy had a one-nil win over an opponent. <laughs> an opponent, I like that. Uh, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand. Okay. New Zealand, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So no, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. And apparently, the the sales in New Zealand have been quite disappointing. Ticket sales. Yes, well. I saw that they're giving away tickets. Mind you, having said that, when you're looking at what ten dollars for a child and thirty dollars for an adult in Perth, I'm still giving them away, really. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think, look, important that we get behind it. Um, I, I don't look. I get it in somewhere like Dunedin. Small population um, that, that happens, but there's no excuse for it in Auckland and Wellington. True, um, big big football capitals should have a lot of people going to the game, and I think you know, look, if we do anything else, let's let's get more people to our games than than New Zealand did. Absolutely, and I yeah. was actually a bit surprised. So I've got my uh, FIFA World Cup app on my phone now. Yeah, and so hopefully this is all going to work come match day. Um, the Panama Jamaica match, which we have on a Saturday night, um, kickoff is at eight thirty, which is a surprisingly late kickoff. Yeah, I mean, it, like it's a late kickoff in general, and I would have thought, if anything, we'd be getting an earlier kickoff to sort of sync up with times over east. So yeah, I'm not quite sure what the logic is there, but and what um, time is that? Eight thirty. Oh, and that was what teams get Panama, uh, Panama, and Jamaica. Yeah, right. So I mean, <laughs> hey, look, I I said. Years and years ago, um, when they were talking about bringing the Men's World Cup over here, like, look, if it's a World Cup, I'm going to go. I don't care if the match is Botswana versus Iceland. You know, it's a, it's a World yeah, Cup. You're going to go. Well, yeah. I'm going to go. So I'm still happy to watch Panama versus Jamaica. I'll be at that match. Yeah. Um, don't know who I'm taking with me yet. But but it'll be interesting to watch the, the Irish game because I think you know, yes. there's a huge Irish community within yes. Perth and it'd be great to see them all stood there in their fluoro vests from, from the mining <laughs> industry <laughs> in, in national Irish colours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to go to an ad break. We'll be back after that with Donna Gouffray, who is um, the lead person here in Perth for DT38. A lot of good work they do. But um, having West Ham in here is um, obviously fantastic for them. I, w- I was, and I did ask for the studio to put the, the West Ham promo on. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't. Oh, no. uh, mate, get onto Facebook, have a look. <laughs> the, they've launched a new strip, the Bubbles um, West Ham strip. Yep. But they've got Ray Winston in the background. They've got the I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles in you know, traditional brass band behind it. It's, it's good for a fan. All right. Yeah, it makes All you... Right. Makes you smile. All right, I am going to go to a break and we'll be back after this. Oh, don't relax. I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. 
We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. These players who want more, they want to step off that field and win. Matildas now get to measure themselves against world's footballing elite. Till we outrun them. Keep it going, we're not done till it's done, all the way through. Till the pain pays off. Till we make you roar. Till we tell a bigger story. Till we settle the score. You don't mess with it. Till we stop them all. You can't beat the best. Till we do the crowd. We're not like the rest. We're not done. Till it's done. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. All right, Pete, we've got some MPL fixtures around the state today. That's right, just because we've got West Ham and Tottenham and the World Cup starting doesn't mean that football stopped at the local level. So uh, in the NPL, the uh, results from last week, Sterling Macedonia 2-0 over Armidale, Bayswater City and Olympic played out a nil-all draw, Inglewood United 4-2 over Perth, Florida Athena and Balcata 1-all draw, Perth Red Star had a 3-2 away win over Coburn City and Perth Glory 5-3 over Sorrento. Coming up this afternoon, we have Balcata Etna at home against Perth, Armidale hosting Bayswater City, Perth Glory against Olympic Kingsway, Florida Athena versus Sorrento, Perth Red Star at home to Inglewood United, and Coburn City hosting Sterling Macedonia. And check those kickoff times because I believe the Kingsway Perth Glory game is a one o'clock kickoff. Move forward yeah, because so, of other commitments. Well, yeah, definitely other commitments. And talking about those other commitments, someone who's been heavily involved in that build up is Donna Gouffray from DT38. Good morning, Donna. How are you? Oh, I didn't do this bit, did I? <laughs> Sorry, Donna. Good morning. How are you? That's that is better. Good. How are you, guys? <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, you've been massively busy the last few weeks, I could imagine, and the next <laughs> three, three days are going to get even worse. Mm. How have you been holding up? Oh, look, you know, it's so much um, so much to do in the back end, but it's great when you've got a team that can support you and then you've got a team of professionals um, at West Ham, which is even better. Um, so it's been great. It's been busy. Um, you know, the world of football is a lot of last-minute um, things that get thrown your way. But, um, no, it's been really amazing to have the club here and just having to work with them. So busy. Yes, I have been busy. And, that's, and big, that's definitely for sure. And Big Carlton, he's been getting around more than he did ever oh. on a pitch. Um, <laughs> is the man as, as cool as he seems? Oh, Carlton is the most amazing human being you'll ever met. This is the... Second or third time I've met him um, and I've had some personal time with him this time, like just a lunch and just getting to know him a bit better. And he's just got the most infectious smile. He just does everything he can. um, And he's so focused on the kids uh, and their development and giving every person that comes his way 
young, old, anybody a experience. He just wants them to feel the West Ham experience is what he says all the time and the experience that he felt as a footballer. So he's just a remarkable human being and I just can't um, thank him enough and tell him how much he's just such an amazing person to have around and be around, really. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it seems to be that way. I mean, I've seen the pictures from the Open Day and it seems like every single player made time for every single person that was there. And I I think maybe that's... I may have, may have a little bit of perceptual bias, but it just seems to be that they've, they've really turned it on for the public. Look, they're, a fa- they're very family-orientated and, um, you know, I show a little bit of bias because they're our charity partner, but as you know, I'm a Man United supporter and I can tell you wholeheartedly, and I'm sure the people at United probably won't like to hear this, but West Ham have blown my expectations out the park with what they're doing with the fans and the family and the people that, you know, they've engaged with and they're unbelievable. They're just, even the players, there's no um, umming and ahhing, there's no... You know, do I have to? It's just these people give something to us. We need to give back to them. And that's the mentality that they have. They wanted to give back to their supporters here in Australia. We, there's people from all across Australia, Asia, flying over um, for the next two games, uh, predominantly for the, um, for the Spurs game. But, you know, that just goes to show the type of club that they've got there, the, um, the players that they have there, and, you know, just the respect they're showing, you know, the fans, you know, they... Fans give a lot in terms of merchandise and flying and supporting and the love that they give. And the fact that that's been reciprocated is unbelievable. And it's interesting you talk about family because also one one of their coaching staff is is obviously a very important family member, as in Dylan's brother. Yeah, Taylor. um, It was so amazing to have him back um, in Perth. I don't know if he calls Perth home. He left here at quite a young age. So, um, but... Having him here and listening to him talk about Dylan's story is something I don't get to hear often because it's normally Tracy over in the UK doing a lot of it because he's tied up with West Ham. But, yeah. um, and then over here, it's myself. Um, so hearing him talk about Dylan's story and for him to see the impact of Dylan's story um, here in Australia, how big it is, um, just shows you know how much it means to him and how much it still guides him. And I just... You know, I wanted him to have that experience here. And, yeah, he's part of the coaching staff, which is amazing. He's um, absolutely um, kicking ass over there. Yeah. And it makes us even so much prouder because he's part of the West Ham family in DK38, but he's now part of the West Ham family in terms of, you know, the academy side of things and just educating the kids. And, yeah, it's just it's a remarkable thing to have him and, there. And I know someone that was at the event, and I won't identify Penny Tanner Hoth because I don't, <laughs> don't want to embarrass her whatsoever. <laughs> But there was there was a huge line of girls lined up to see this um, chunk of man candy, and she's gone and, and spoken to him, and she accidentally called him Dylan, and he was oh. lo- no no he was lovely about it. He apparently gets it a lot, and um, it, yeah. Yeah, whilst yeah. it's tinged with sadness, it, it really yeah. is for him. You know, good that people. You know, st- I have love that. Forgotten. Yeah, no, I loved it as well. I thought it was a great story. Uh, and it's a great photograph, but he does he does look like a charmer. He looks like a heartbreaker. So. Oh, yes. Oh, Taylor is um, our, our young Taylor. He is a, um, he's got the gift of the gab. I'm sure he's, uh, I don't think he does too bad with the ladies, um, but I believe he's got a beautiful um, partner. Yeah. Um, so he's snapped up at the moment, ladies. But, you know, um, he'll still talk to you and take a photo and charm, his, um, charm you all. So he's such a beautiful kid and he's just... Um, you know, knowing him for the last 
eight or so years um, has been amazing just to see him go from um, strength to strength and the way he speaks now about the charity and Dylan and himself and, you know, the team. Yeah. It's remarkable that all these people, they get just a little bit of media training, what it can do for them. It's amazing. But there's there's the little touches. And I think, you know, we dominated some space in the West Australian with the whole team coming out wearing DT38 um, shirts for training. Yes. For you, how was that? Look, you know, that was something that we were working on behind the scenes for quite some time and it was another amazing, you know, another amazing step in the partnership that we have. You know, they're our principal yep. charity partner. They continue to honour Dylan's legacy and their biggest thing was we're coming to Dylan's home. He's a Perth boy, regardless yep. of that he left here at such a young age. He's from Perth. His legacy started here um, and needs to continue to be honoured here. And um, having that was just, I know that it's hugs a heartstrings for everyone at DT38. I know that Tracy, when I said to her, hey, this is happening, can you approve these for me? The logo's going on. She was like, unbelievable. The fact that they got awareness down under on front and back of the shirt, um, yep. which is our hashtag, it made um, so much sense. I had a fan say to me, oh, is it because they're in Australia? And I said, no, darling. Bless your soul, but let me educate you why. And they're like, that makes so much sense. But the other, like, exactly. The, the, other, the other thing is, though, that they've launched their new Bubbles shirt, which, you know, I was hoping to have that yes. promo, but I, I, it's a wonderful promo for the shirt. But then their major sponsor has, has again, very graciously said, look, don't need to have it on the shirts for this game. Uh, DT38 on the front seems perfectly appropriate. And I think, again, it's a wonderful gesture. It just shows how well the club, um, the sponsors and DT38 work together to, to get this cause out there. Um, you know, when that happened, you know, obviously Betway is a huge supporter of yep. DT38 and obviously West Ham. And they've done this once before. And, you know... There was a bit of to and fro when it's not as easy as going, yeah, let's remove our logo. They could have... And, I, you know, I've had some people um, that I wanted to just highlight on a lot of pages and people message me going, oh, it's, they haven't done anything nice. They, they can't have a betting team. I said, no, do you understand they could have sold the front of shirt sponsorship for someone else? Like that, it, yeah. They could have made their money back should they have wanted yes. to sell that spot. Yeah. That's how it works in football. And every time I gave that answer back, they're like, I've had people go... Let me retract my comment. I said, exactly. I said, the fact that they've graciously and generously given the front of shirt for both games, and not just the Glory game, for the Spurs game, is yep. huge. The um, Our logo is there proud. We did the launch on um, Thursday, the exclusive session with some of the kids that we had there. You know, and the other gesture was, you know, that shirt that we launched with the logo, the back of it had Tom Beattie's 38 again printed on there. It just... It's all these little things um, that show sentiment um, and show just how well, like you said, everyone works together and understands the importance of the cause and the importance of Dylan's legacy and his memory. So um, it was a super proud moment. I know Tracy was and Kayla and um, Jim were, you know, very blown away. And I know all my directors, the minute I told them that this was happening, um, they were blown away by it. So it's just another step forward. Um, And, you know... For us personally here in Australia, it cements our relationship in the Australian market with West Ham and then in Asia as well because these matches are going to you know, be shown everywhere. Oh, it's huge. Absolutely huge. I mean, well, yeah, West Ham are massive everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But... Um... No, no, they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, look, I can't help it. I'm massive wherever I go any time of the day, but you know, that's, that's another story. Um, no, but going back through it, mean, obviously... 
that DC38 is what this for you is is about, and it's a it's a great medium. You've got um, the team that Dylan loved coming back to yeah. Dylan's home, to the ground that he grew up in, to the town he loved. Nine years after his death, you know, th- there's so much symmetry around this that it's just wonderful, um, and it's you know. There must be some other things happening. So you've, you've got, obviously, the two big games going on. The traditional 38th yeah. minute, we're going to do the minutes applause for Dylan. Um, what other activities are there in and around town with DT38? Oh, look, you know, um, on Thursday, we had the exclusive training session for, um, it was roughly 60 uh, aspiring footballers. Yep. And we decided to choose it in the fact that we wanted to honour the three clubs that Dylan played at, whether it was for one match or two or whatever. And yeah. um, that's where, as I said, his career started. So Wembley, down, Sterling Lions and Perth Soccer Club chose 15 players from each of their clubs. Oh, good um, plus we had a few extra um, DT38 ambassadors out there. It was an exclusive session with Carlton Cole, Richard Garcia and Taylor Combides. Um, they took it and then we had first team players come out there. Zuma had a kick. Um, you know, a few of the other boys came and, you know, just took photos and I want to make note, it was amazing to see some female footballers out there as well. I got a call from one of the clubs going, it's not just for boys, is it? said, hell no, it's not. You know, we're in the year of the Women's World Cup. Like, yeah. get them out there. And the, and the girls came up to me and were like, thank you so much. We didn't think we'd have this opportunity. And I was like, girl, you'll have this opportunity. Like, we are, you know, and it was just amazing to see it. Um, and they heard a bit of Dylan's story. Like, Taylor had a little chat, told them how, you know, um, important it is to look after yourself. I heard Richie, while he was training um, some of the older kids, saying, you know, don't just focus on football. Focus on your education, focus on your schooling, and focus on your health. And I was just so proud because I didn't even tell him to say that. Um, and he did. And, yeah. you know, Richard's just the utmost professional and he's been in the highest of the high. Um, so it was great. And just seeing Zuma play, um, he had a kick with my little boy who's five years old. Um, yeah. He was training with the under-10 group. And he just looked at me and he goes, He's got, he's got pace. He's just got to concentrate. I was like, yeah, yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> but he's five. And he just looked at me and he goes, he's five years old. And I was like, yes. And he's like, oh, well, just let him go. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> let the kid run with the ball. Yeah. But it was just, it was so beautiful to watch all the kids wore DT38 tops. Um, we made sure of that. West Ham, you know, gave them a little goodie bag um, with, you know, a scarf and a bottle and a pin to commemorate that they've come to Australia with, you know, the West Ham logo and Australian flag. Just all these little things that we've done in the lead-up has been amazing. Um, obviously, the biggest thing was the top that we really wanted to push and get. And, it, you know, thank you so much to the West Ham family once again and, and uh, Betway for, you know, graciously doing that. We've got kids going walking out with the players as mascots um, today and next week at the game as well. And then on Sunday, um, something that was meant to be, you know, some fans, some Spurs fans against some West Ham fans, um, just having a kick and raising a bit of fun um, has absolutely blown up into something a lot bigger. Um, so on Sunday, um, I'm going to give them a little plug if that's okay, but there's a yeah. charity match, uh, the West Ham Fan 11 against the Spurs Fan 11 at Rosalie Park in Shenton Park um, at 12.30. There's going to be a match being played. It's free entry, um, but they're going to do a raffle and all donations are going to DT38, which is the Spurs fans are also donating their raffle. That's, you know, the money they yeah. had from that to us as well, which Wonderful. they didn't need to do. They were, they were supporting Telethon. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was just such a beautiful gesture. And then the Perth Hammers... Um, 
have got a bunch of merchandise that they got printed at Hammerink. I told him I'd give him a plug at every <laughs> interview that I've done. So John Russo from Hammerink. He's in Perth and he named the company after the Hammers. How did I not know about this man? <laughs> my sister told me. Yeah. It's beyond me. Um, but they've got merchandise printed. They've got awareness down under on the bottom of it, and all funds raised from the t- from the sales of the you know tees and jumpers is going to DK Thirty Eight as well. So it's just remarkable all these things that are happening um, for us, and just people putting their hands up, and you know all the networks yourselves. Um, you know the you know we had exclusive spot on Seven News Nine. Um, you know running the piece, the charity piece about the session and Dylan's yeah. story, and you know it's just. It's been amazing and the support's been great and I just hope that um, it continues, not just because the the fluff is here, like, you know, it's all fluffed up at the moment. You know, we've got a big club, a few big clubs here, but I hope that they can see the impact that we're having on the youth and the impact that clubs like the Spurs and West Ham have on players and our story has that, you know, it'll just continue to grow and really stand still and legacy even further but our cause even further into the community. And I suppose you're right. We've got the hype, uh, all the, the yeah. hyper bowl going on now because you do have two big Premier League sides here. But let's not underplay what this is really about. And, and Dylan's tragic story is something that we, we need to use as a lesson that saves lives. And it's not just the lives of footballers uh, and, and soccer no. players. It's tennis players, cricket players, Aussie rules players. And anyone that has a set of twins is suspect. So, you know, it's, it's important that we, we look after ourselves. And, you know, yes, that's one part and one aspect of men's health. But, you know, there are so many other aspects. But one in particular, this is a killer. If you do not pick it up, it will kill you. Um, it's touch, it touches everyone. I have a very close friend who was diagnosed and had to have surgery and have one removed. Um, and, you know, look, thankfully, he's clear now and, you know, living, yeah. living his best life ever. So it's it's just one of those things that if you do not pick it up, it, it will it will terminate you. So, you know, there is a very, very serious side to this. And I know we have all the laughs and the jokes about it, but, you know, don't be embarrassed about going to the doctor if you feel there's something wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I share all those sentiments. Cancer does not discriminate, and I say this every time. doesn't matter who you are, all walks of life, male, female, it does not discriminate. But obviously our cause, you know, male skewed, every female has some sort of male in their life, whether it's a friend, a dad, an uncle, a colleague, a, you know, a fellow... Um, student, whatever, um, it does not discriminate. So, you know, our resources are available to you. Give us a call. But, you know, I just wanted to share a little story with you before we, you know, finish up. But there's this young um, lad at Sterling Lions named Jack, and he heard Dylan's story for the first time when he started to play um, at the Lions and it was his first season. And he had to go to school and do an English essay on his um, Aussie heroes. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, there's Sam Kerr and Tim Cahill. He goes... But, you know, obviously, I love, he said, I love them. He goes, but no, he goes, Dylan's my hero. And I just was, I heard that story for the first time on Thursday and I started crying because I was like, this, you know, this young player who is, I think, 16, decided against writing about, you know, Sam Kerr's name, we know Tim Cahill's name, we know Harry Kills and Paducah's name, but he decided to write it about Dylan. So that is just, it just shows the importance of his story and what happened to him and the fact that, the youth of now are writing about him as their hero, that he fought his way um, through chemo, still played, and just showed that you can have that bit more resilience. So it's not the end. Um, 
you know, his story is never ending and it's just, it's just amazing. So cancer doesn't discriminate. Go get checked. Send us an email. Taylor is amazing. He knows the story so well and he knows how important men's health is too. So if you don't want to speak to a female, I'll put you in touch with Taylor and he can guide you to who you can speak to. And we've got the resources at our fingertips. So let us help you. Yes, absolutely. And um, obviously during the season, you, you do the uh, the free checks for um, yes. individuals. So that still continues. Yep, and then we've also got the next DT38 round for Steve Sterling um, at Masso Park on the 19th of August. It's going to be a little bit different this year. We opted against doing a lunch and just, you know, myself and a player getting up there and talking. Um, Luke um, at Sterling said, you know what, let's flip, the, let's flip the narrative, let's really educate. So we're actually going to run two educational sessions um, compulsory for, um, for the players that are going to be attending this plus parents, and if anyone else would like to come, I'm sure I can get you in there. And we're just going to get one of our guys up there, um, Duncan Hardy, who runs, who owns Ultrasound Services, that does the scans. He's going to get yeah. up, show it. He's got a great story. He's very good with um, with everyone. He gives you, a, he lightens up the mood a bit for it and, you know, really educate people on our, um, on our cause and what it's about. Put the football aside, put everything aside. It's about your health and what we can do to help you to ensure it doesn't happen again. So, um, that's on the 19th of August at Maso Park. So we'll do a raffle and a few other things. So if you can get down there, we'd really appreciate your support. Absolutely. No, look, lots of lots of good things to get behind. Um, obviously, the, yeah. the game the game today starts at 6.30, is it? 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. I know, I know I'm down there from about 2.30 onwards. So <laughs> <laughs> might, might be a bit messy by the time the game kicks off, but who knows? Um, big day. Look, it's it's just great to have the, the team in town. Um, you know, they all seem very positive despite the Declan Rice thing dragging on. But, um, you know, look, really, really positive um, stuff going on, really good for the game. Um, as I said before, lots of positive media. It's great to see our game on, on the news and only good stuff coming back out of the, at me, you know. They're too quick to jump onto the, the negative aspects yeah. of our game, but uh, they have supported the, the positives very well. Yeah, it's, um, I'm excited to have another football game being played at Optus Stadium. Um, two, two great clubs. Um, you know, you, we talk about West Ham and stuff, but obviously you've got um, the Glory, who's another huge supporter of DT38. But, you know, they're the only A-League club in, in Perth, so show them a bit of support. I'm hearing the crowd is not going to be as large as um, people were hoping for tonight, but let's just make sure it's a fortress for both clubs. Um, I'm hearing 20 to 25,000 is the expected. Um, for tonight and 50 for next week's game. So, you know, it's football. There's going to be the, the football parade, um, you know, clubs around WA, their kids walking around that pitch. It's, yeah. yeah. You know, um, the things we do um, within the football community is just as important. And we're, you know, as in let kids enjoy it and let them enjoy the game um, for what it is. We don't need to make it so um, so strict all the time. No. This is a big deal. My son's walking out with, you know, with the players and he's like, Never gonna have this opportunity again. I'm like, no, just enjoy it for what it is. And I suppose you know, the thing is, when you look at it, we've got two two um, really good sides out there. You know, West West Ham, obviously, my passion. The Spuds, not so much, mm-hmm. but um, they're, they're also bringing over um, people from other states. There are people coming in from yes. Asia. This is really um, good for the for the, the economy of this state. And it really is an opportunity for us to showcase the game. And if you're deluded and follow Man U, still go to the game and watch it. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, I 
I am. I'm oh, no. still going. Oh, I thought you meant you were deluded. <laughs> <laughs> I had no choice, no. Um, no. I would go regardless. This is what I say. Football is football. Get yeah. out there. We're in Perth. We're in Australia. When do we have these teams come over? Um, when they do, just go. Put your... You don't want to support them. Who cares? Just support the game and just enjoy it, people. Enjoy the beautiful game. You know, I love football so much. So it, it gets me, you know, through some... I'll go... If I'm having a really shitty day, I'll go watch a random highlight. And my son does it and he's fine. We'll just go watch yeah. random highlights of different games. Mm-hmm. So just enjoy and enjoy the game and, the, you know, what it's for, what it is. It's not, you know, it's not... They're not going for a World Cup trophy. It's just a game for you to enjoy and enjoy... The football. Exactly. And, but that said also, we, we've also got some World Cup games coming up at HBF. Um, the prices yeah. Yeah. are family friendly. Um, they are world-class footballers and people go, oh, the Matildas aren't coming. But, you know, we're still going to have... Denmark are an extremely gifted side. The Chinese are technically brilliant. There's lots of good yeah. sides here. That, and, and it will be quality football. It is a World Cup on our own backyard, get out there, support oh, the games. You know, we're, I agree. a story this morning that, that, that they haven't sold well in New Zealand. And as oh. I said to, to Pete, yeah, okay, small place like Dunedin, I get it. But somewhere big like Wellington and Auckland, they should be selling out. And we need to be doing the same thing here and proving we love our football. It's We are a footballing-loving country. We're a sports-loving country. And I, even if you don't like the code, get out there and watch a game because it's supporting this state. And uh, anything we do will help us bring bigger and better games here. Yep. Oh, I 100% agree. And if anything goes to show last night's game, uh, France beat the Matildas at Marvel Stadium sold out. Right, that's it's yep. remarkable. Matildas could be playing in front of eighty thousand people in one of their games. I'm going to watch Colombia v Morocco. I don't know any yeah. of their players, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I don't, but I'm going because it's another football game, another opportunity to watch world class players on our, you know, in our hometown. Um, and some, you know, we're taking our kids. They really wanted to go. My two-year-old has no choice. He just goes wherever we want because he, you know, can't leave his mum. <laughs> a bit of a shadow. But, you know, he loves the game. He goes to glory oh, games now. I think you baby, him, you baby him far too yeah. much. And, and as we yeah. said earlier, Colum- yeah, Columbia, yeah. you know, caused a match to be abandoned. So, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It, it, you don't know what you're going to see in that game. Colombian, Colombians. Oh, I don't. It's going to be great. Colombians <laughs> fighting with the Irish. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, but just support it. Support women's sport, support women's football. The Women's World Cup is here. Exactly. Let's just enjoy it for what it is again. And the growth is huge. Everyone is talking about it. Um, even in Melbourne back home, I was like, normally it's such an AFL-skewed city. Um, but they're all talking about the Matildas and the Women's World Cup. So let's just keep that going. Cause the the World Cup important. is something very, very special. We need to, to get yeah. that out there. And um, I suppose the next thing is is to not lose the impetus. I think after we had the Asian Women's Asian Cup here, it we kind of floundered after and didn't make the most of this opportunity. We need to no, make the best yeah. of this opportunity to put pressure on government to increase facilities and for also for the governors of this game to, to lift its profile. I agree, 100%. And um, shout out to all the clubs here hosting teams. Um, the pitches look amazing. Um, so, you know, Dorian Gardens and Sorrento and everywhere, the, the, the pitches look absolutely fantastic. And the upgrades that clubs have done within their means yeah. are amazing just to get these women, um, to make them feel comfortable, make them feel all-inclusive. So it's and amazing. Also, and HBF, yeah. what they did there, you know, we had to 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But Glory, Glory had to sacrifice themselves for what they've done, but it's improved that ground as well. 100%. And, you know, we were all whinging about the Glory not being able to play there and whatnot. But, you know, it was for, the greater, it was for a greater, bigger picture. Um, yeah. And we'll be thankful for it this season when the team are back there. Um, so, you know, we can whinge all we want, but things aren't just done just because. And that's what I tell people. They're done for a reason. So we exactly. just need to embrace that reason and just get over it. Um, I know it's easier said than done for some, but mm. it is what it is. And now, look, you know, there's going to be upgrades and more opportunities for women games to come here so Perth won't miss out. So I think it's a great step forward. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Donna, thank you very much for your time. I imagine thank you so much, guys. it'll be about Wednesday before you're able to get to, to bed and sleep properly. But um, really, <laughs> yeah. really appreciate what you do and what DTA, DT38 Brilliant. also do. Um, you know, power right, of work, you, saving guys. lives. Thank you. No, thank you, and enjoy the game. I love the game. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <so> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Have yeah. a good night or day. I mean, sorry. Bye. Okay, Donna Gufray, DT thirty eight, um, doing a power work there with with the the foundation and honouring Dylan's memory. But you know, I think not lost on me, but some people um, very important at West Ham are here um, yeah, and, yeah. and the things that they've done, um, particularly the DT38 shirts and supporting the foundation, quite obviously the players at New Dillon are still affected by his death and, and still building on that legacy, but also for the sponsors who have just gone, look, we don't want any compensation yeah. for using another logo on, on our shirt. And, you know, as she said, they could have sold it, they didn't. Yep. Yeah, no, yeah. that's, that's uh, mad respect to them for that. Absolutely. So looking forward to that. Um, First Division? Well, actually, I was just going to go back to the NPL table. Oh, yeah, for go a back second. to the NPL I, table, yeah. I, just out of interest, I noticed that um, the bottom two teams in the NPL, Inglewood and Floriot, are um, the two teams in the cup final as well. Yeah. So yeah, I just thought that was an interesting little thing. And would, would a coach prefer, if they had the choice, win the cup final but finish bottom and get relegated? Or lose the cup final but avoid relegation. Lose the cup final, avoid relegation. Yeah, as, yeah. as I was saying, I yeah. was like, no, that's, that's not But it. it's, it's a, I mean, when you look at that table, the two teams at the bottom, no one would have picked that. It's, yeah. And then when you go above, I think the next one up is Bayswater. The, Coburn. Or Coburn yeah. and Bayswater. Yeah, no, again. Yeah, and like Sorrento sort of down down there as well. So, yeah, it is a, a surprising table. Uh, yeah, and but, I know Perth... still quite close as well. Yeah, it is quite close. And, and a game or two and, and all of a sudden you're in the top four. But I just cannot see Floriot accepting where they are and I cannot see Inglewood accepting where they are. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah look, it's a, it's a very, very close league. There's, there's not many games to go, though. And um, one, maybe two of those sides could be relegated under the new rules. Yep, yep. Well, it's... Um, it's definitely one up, one down, and yeah. then it's a playoff for the. There, so there's a playoff yeah. then for the other yeah. one. Is that the same as the uh, the lower playoff? It's the same the through top, all top leagues yep. now. Okay. Yes. So, um, power work done by different standing committees to make that happen. But um, yeah, look, it's it's about time. Yep. But up and down the sporting merit, no one wants to be relegated, which is why we then invest in in coaching and and training and, and you know the, investing in those players to to make sure you don't get relegated. Right, but yeah. it's um it's not nice when you're there, and I know because my club has been relegated, <laughs> and yeah. we're doing what we can not to be relegated again. Yeah. Um, and it takes a while, you know. You've got to you've got to work at this, but it it improves the league, and I think one of the complaints about the A League is that. 
it, there is no pressure on you. There you is can no you penalty can finish, for coming last. You can come last forever. Other th- other than the very slight penalty of having to play a qualifying match for the cup the following season, which the glory has coming up. Yeah, and look again, the glory has that coming up, um, and they haven't played in the last two. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would like to see a statement from the club by taking this game deadly seriously and yep. at least getting through. Getting, to, getting into the cup proper, yeah. Yeah, getting into the cup proper. Um, it's It hurts the club not to be in it. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. and especially when you consider that the first two seasons of the Australia Cup or the FFA Cup, as yeah. it's known then, Glory made the final both times. And, you know, you think, okay, forget the league, maybe we're the cup specialists. But, no, that's all sort of faded out now as well. Yeah. But we'll see. Look, it's, it's a long way off. Um Anyway, you were talking about yeah. First Division, weren't you? Yes. Okay, First Division. Uh, Joondalup, last week, Joondalup United had a 1-0 win over Frio City. Mum FC won 5-3 away to Gwalup, Croatia. Gosnell City 2-0 away over Forestfield United. Western Knights 5-1 at home over Dianella White Eagles in the uh, Balkan Derby there. Uh, Mandurah City 5-2 at home over UWA Netherlands and Rockingham City had a 3-1 away win over Subiaco AFC. Uh, coming up this afternoon, Fremantle City at home to Gwellup, UWA Netherlands against Joondalup United, Subiaco AFC hosting Mandurah City, Mum FC at home against Forestfield United, Rockingham City against Dianella White Eagles and Western Knights hosting Gosnells City. Uh, just glancing at the table quickly there, Mandurah City and Western Knights have pulled away from the other two teams. They've opened up a eight-point break. Uh, Mandurah City still top by one point, but yep. uh, Western Knights hot on their tail. And at the other end of the table, it's been a bit of a fall for grace from Forestfield for the last couple of seasons. There, um, yeah, they were former. Yeah, yeah in the look, NPL for a season. NPL for a season, and yeah, it's look a lot going on over there. I think you know people look at the Western Knights situation, and surely, surely they're always in that top one or two. Yep. And um, maybe this year's the year, but there's, it's a very good Mandra side that are leading the way at the moment. So we'll see what happens. Oh, that's the playoffs It's a now, very so. close league. Um, all right, so we were going to go to Tash Rigby, but being the theme of the day, <laughs> <laughs> change, flexibility and adaptability is the things adapt and overcome. And uh, joining us on the air now is a international Sabutio player in our very own Hugh Best. <laughs> Hugh, good morning. How are you? Morning, Sean. See what he did there, Pete? Yeah, I, I thought he's done that deliberately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know where you Morning, live. Morning, <laughs> Pete. How are you, pal? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, sensational. Yeah, I've just got back in from uh, from Tokyo Thursday, so you get that disorientation of, of travel. You're sort of going, where did I put that? You know, I'm still sort of half in mind. To, or, or as uh, you call uh, it, normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> so, so Japan, you you went over there for um, what was what was the competition? It was the uh, Asian Cup of Table Football. It was held in Kashiwa, Kashiwa City, Kashiwa Noha, near the uh, Tokyo University. If people know where that is, and most people probably don't. Yeah, so it's uh, the tournament. So they try to make it. You, know, you have your, your your national championships. Um, then you have the regional championships, which this one was, the Asian region, and then there's the World Cup. So it's the second biggest uh, tournament that uh, a player from from Australia could, could play in. Uh, I was super, super excited to, to go 
uh, had the ticket organised all the way back in uh, in January. I was yeah. you know, that excited to go. Being like you know the, the sneezing fit that we had for the last three years uh, huh. to be able to travel again was uh, yeah. And I thought, well, plan plan a good one for the first one, and and that was it. Mate, I've got to be honest. You've you've suffered yep. from boy who cries wolf syndrome here because I've seen your posts on Facebook and I was like, oh, he's just tagging himself in old photos again. I didn't I didn't actually realise you were over there. <laughs> I thought, oh, he's just he's doing the same thing again where he's pretending he's over there. <laughs> yeah, no, well, and and now it turns out you actually were, yeah. So so how many how many Australian how many Australian representatives were there at this competition? Yeah, it was a, a, a little bit disappointing this, this time. I was the uh, the lone Australian representative, so you know, uh, the, the the Japanese got a, a genuine taste of what a uh, an Aussie on tour looks like, and it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was me. Um, yeah, so we didn't have a uh, an Australian team as such. The Singaporeans sent over um, a, a team of. Uh, well, with support staff, it was almost like fifteen because wow. you know, being the, you, you you have to. Um, fund your own way. There's, there's no sponsorship yeah. the video at the moment in this region, so it's more like holiday time for uh, for, for all of us when we when we do go. Um, so the Singaporeans had ten players, including uh, one under twelve. So they had an under twelve tournament there as well, uh, and yeah, with wives and, and significant others. There yeah, was a it was a fair contingent of them, and of course all the Japanese uh, players were there. So it was a big tournament, probably maybe. Uh, I didn't count them all by you know number, but uh, I would have thought it would be at least fifty uh, players all up at, at the tournament. But, but yeah, mm-hmm. as, uh, as I said, slightly disappointing that I was the uh, the lone ranger from Australia. And, and how did you fare? Uh, yeah, I knew you'd ask that. Good on you, mate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in, in the main draw, so the way the tournament works, uh, <clears throat> it's a bit like um, well, we try to make it. It's group play, so the top two progress out of the group. And um, like I said, because there was no Australian contingent, instead of it being groups of four, it was groups of three, which made it even more uh, cutthroat, sudden death games. So I lost the first game 2-0 to one of the uh, the better players of Singapore uh, in um, Vikas. And then uh, I came up against the guy I've never seen before, a Japanese lad. And, um, you know, both games I played quite well, but, uh, you know, he had... He had three, as is the way with any game of soccer, he had three good shots, and I lost 3-0. I had uh, probably you know, six or seven good shots. He saved a fair amount of them, a couple off the crossbar, and it's like, oh, come on, mate. You played really well, and the scoreboard says, no, you didn't. So that put me into the consolation uh, round where I made the semi-final and came up against another one of the, uh, the better Japanese players in uh, Kazuki, and uh, he beat me um, uh, 5-3. So... Yeah, you know, it was end to end. Both of us, you know, I scored within the first thirty seconds. Thirty seconds later, he scores, and I thought, "Oh, hang on, we're, we're on here." And uh, it was that sort of a game, end to end stuff. Um, and I end up on the wrong side of that one, but that got me uh, to referee that plate final. Yeah, which was good. You know, it's a bit of an honour there, so I refereed that one. Um, and Kazuki, so when you, finish, you get knocked out in the semi final, you always want to lose to the eventual winner, which is exactly what happened. Kazuki went on to win that uh, that plate consolation final 4-0. Uh, so I thought, well, you know, at least we got done by the eventual champion in, in that particular yeah. group. Mm-hmm. And then in the uh, in the main final, uh, the, the reigning... It was actually a replay of the last Asian Cup, which was held in Singapore. Um, Bernard Lim played um, Rudy Hesty. Rudy was the uh, reigning 
um, Asian Cup. So to see those two boys back in the final again was, uh, I was going to say surprising because it's not often you get a repeat of, you know, the game, the championship game beforehand. And mm. because there were two Singaporeans and the Japanese with their language issues, um, the head referee uh, and organiser of the competition, Kenzo, he, uh, oh, Huey-san, and I'm like, I'd already packed up. I was, you know, ready to, you know, start the Mexican wave yeah. in the crowd. Yeah. yeah, Kenzo, what's up? And he goes, I need you to referee. So I got to referee both finals, which wow. was really good. Yeah, so, you know, that is the first time, as far as I'm aware, that that has happened at uh, an Asian Cup where one player has refereed both the plate final and the main final. It was, yeah, it was very, very uh, interesting to watch how those two players played. And being, uh, being that uh, I know the rules quite well, I didn't stuff it up, which was good. Because, you know, <laughs> the old, uh, you know, the nerves of the final. The referee runs strong uh, within you, mate. I mean, you're, you're a good referee, and I think that's, that shows. Um, did you get out and about in Japan much, or uh, were you just... You did, mate. Yeah. yeah, so on, on, the, on the Saturday, uh, because being that um, we were in Kashua, and that's where I was staying, J-League side, Kashua Ray Soul, yeah. obviously based in Kashua. So I'd, uh, before I'd left Australia, I said to, to Kenzo, mate, well, you know, Kashua are playing uh, on Saturday night. Any chance we can get there? And one of the, um, the main supporters of the tournament was the, uh, the Kashua mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she'd, she'd used her connections, gone to uh, uh, Ray Soul themselves and said, look, I've got uh, these guys playing over here. They're, they're you know, important guests. Any chance of tickets? So we got free tickets to go and watch Kashua Ray Soul play Shonan Bellamare. And bloody hell, if you get the opportunity to go to see any sporting event in Japan, but soccer in particular, like we see over here where there's active fan zones. You know, you've got yeah. the RBB and the Cove and, you know, the, the shed. And you think, there's nothing in there. Like, yeah, they, they're doing a bit of singing. The Japanese... For the whole game, they are mm. just going off. They've got megaphones, there's flags, there's yeah, bloody orchestrated dances and chat, uh, clapping. It was some, just an amazing, amazing event. Um, it ended up finishing one all. But the, the fun thing was, I'm sitting in the, in the crowd, and uh, they had a couple of VAR decisions. One I thought was a was a dead set send off, and, mm-hmm. um, and and referee's gone. And I say, you've got to send him off for that. Like it was a. A late challenge from behind with a with a guy running in on goal, and I thought he, he's got to go, like because the, the ref hadn't even given him a card. I thought, what, how can you not have seen that? Next thing you know, hand of the ear. Oh, hang on, oh, let's let's go and have a look. Said the boys sitting next to me. He's handed him. He, he's got to go for that. Comes back out, yellow card. I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> but that's a bit odd. So Cashewell was still one one nil up. They scored in the first half with a cracker goal. That's a pretty belter, and. Um, with, with about 10 minutes to go, down the other end, um, yeah, shirt pull, down he goes. And I'm going, the referee hasn't seen it again. Yeah. Uh, again, hand, hand, hand of the year. Oh, hang on, let's double, double check that. He, he's walking this one. He's walking this one. He's going to have to. Sure enough, catch of a boy gets sent off. <laughs> and of course, as is the case in modern soccer now, whenever there's a, a clear and obvious decision made by the referee, every man in his goal wants to get around the referee and go, you got that wrong, mate, you got that wrong. It's like, I just can't check on, on VAR, mate. I yeah. may have got it wrong initially, but I've seen it. So they're all waste, well, obviously time-wasting tactics from Cashua. 
they missed that shot. So uh, Shonan missed the shot. And then next thing you know, I said, you know, there's going to be at least seven, seven, eight minutes here because of the time wasting. Mm. And um, sure enough, seven minutes comes up and Shonan score in 90 plus five to get a 1-1 <laughs> one, draw. Fergie time. Genuine, yeah. Yep. Yep. So all that time wasting yeah. cost, cost Cashin with a win. And they needed the win. It was... Um, there's 18 teams in the in the J League One. Um, Shonan were 18th and Kasha were, were 17th. So they needed that uh, the three points to move themselves away from the relegation zone. Which, surprisingly enough, there's only one relegated uh, this yeah. season. Which, yeah, I mean that, that's odd. 18 teams, but only one goes down. And and did you see much in the way of advertising for the Women's World Cup? Yeah, yeah. That, well, they had. Um, Oh, what was that, that girl's name? The the, um, oh, the number three plays for West Ham. Uh, let me see if I can find her name. It was all in, in Japanese, but yeah, they had mm. a, a huge special on her. They I was going to say Cresswell, but that's obviously wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm doing a bit of a Google here. Yeah. They had a, a, a big thing, West Ham, women's, let's have a look. Shimizu? Shimizu, that's who, that's who it is. Good on you, mate. That that was exactly it. So they've gone over there and, and had a bit there. So yeah, there was a plenty on the on the telly about that. Um, which not so much like when I went to, into um, Shinjuku and Shibuya. There wasn't uh, you know yeah. like the, the, those big flashing bloody um, uh, signs they have everywhere. I didn't see any of those uh, advertising the Women's World Cup. Okay. But uh, yeah, on, on, on the TV itself, you know. Like, you know me, Sean. Any any time there's sport on the telly, doesn't matter what language. You know, it's sport. It, it, it's the international language of sport. You don't really need to know the language to see what's going on. Yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, yeah, there was a fair amount of that. They had uh, a, a, a feature on the whole uh, Japanese side as well. There was a bit that again, like I didn't understand, but they had the the US team on there as well. So I think they, the Japanese, believe it's likely to be a US Japan final. The mm. way. I, I looked at that particular um, uh, section. Yeah, well, whereas we all know it's going, to, it's going to be in Australia. Who cares who else final? But, you know. <laughs> well, that's what I said. That's what I said. You know, Australia versus I don't care. We're yeah. going to win it anyway. You know, but, but give us the best. Hey, how about that game last night with the oh. uh, against the French? Have you, have you spoken about that? Well, we're, we're speaking about it in bits and pieces. Yeah, it looked like the re- the result is has certainly turned everyone um, into believers um, and for me, it wasn't about the result. For me, it was about how they ground out that last 15 minutes yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and the defensive side. And then when, you know, obviously Alana Kennedy hasn't played for a long time. She's got to 85 minutes and they've taken her off and we put on Claire Polkingthorne. You go, wow, you know, the experience that woman has, you know, you know you've just... For for other teams, you you've taken off a world class player and you put back on another world class player. Uh, we've not been in that position before, but it wasn't just that. That the entire back four played very very good, sensible football in that last fifteen. Never gave them yeah. a sniff. I mean, even they even re, um, resorted to cheating the French because in the last ten minutes they put on a fella. Um, <laughs> that's a name, fella. You know, so look at the. Uh, no, no, uh, all jokes aside, a very, very good striker, and they were putting balls into her strength, which was in the air. They were 
competitive and and really in that environment when you know the the first ball is the one that you you know you're in a fight for it's the second fight ball area that really is important and there was no yeah. messing around that ball just went yeah. out to touch uh, and i think you know from it was a very mature experience and, and i thought also the goal itself mary fowler yeah. made that look easy yeah the the yeah. The, the ball in was a was a great ball in from Rasso, but she's put her foot on it and she's controlled it with her left foot, full stretch, and then just looks up and slotted it past that keeper. That is not an e- an easy thing to do. No, 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 she no, made and, and she gonna, made it look simple, and that's what good and footballers and it's give her do. A great deal of confidence going into the into the tournament as well. Absolutely, but she, she, had, she hadn't scored for a while. I mean, no. she's been playing quite well, and and. and you, you play against the French, who, who are... Who, a I mean, quality side. Rank, 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 four, four, three in the world, yeah. Yeah, the, oh, uh, number five in the world, but they're, they're, a, they're a quality team. They're, you know, they've won the World Cup. So, yeah. you know, they're no mugs. And we need to have another option that's not Sam. And I yeah. think that was important. I thought in the early stages, Caitlin Ford looked very dangerous. Um, you know, yeah. they there were some things there, and it's not important for the likes of Ford or um, Kerr to score in these games because we know they can and we know they will. Um, yep. And other teams at the moment are, are very, very frightened of them, and that's not a bad thing. But then yeah, when, when mean, you throw on... If it was me, I'd be playing all three up front. You, when, when you throw on the Mary Fowler, then... I don't think the going to go that far down the... No. Down the uh, you know, let, let, let's just, you know, Brazil style. Let's just... Score one more goal in the opposition, and, and, yeah. and away we go. But I we've think got it's going to be a little bit more cagey than that. But How we've got options. Arnold? Oh, Mackenzie Arnold, yeah, look. Fantastic gaming goal, very solid. I didn't know which option he would take. I thought he'd go with Williams. Um, very happy to see Mackenzie in there. I think she's a very, very capable goalkeeper, and she proved that last night. She was strong in the clutches, um, never dropped anything, that you know, and really looked solid and organised that back four well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, well, I, one of the thing, articles I did read over there was, uh, yeah, she she now believes after 38 games playing for the Matildas that she might be the number one choice. And I'm thinking, crikey, 38 games for you to start thinking that I thought might the, be the, the number one? The more interesting part of that was that she did not realise that she was partially deaf. And when you think about it, you know, look, I, I know when I when I realised I needed glasses, I had no idea because what's coming into my my vision is what I see, and it would be the same yeah. with your hearing. Um, and she reckons that now that she's got some treatment for that, um, that it's made a massive difference to her game. And and uh, look, the thing is, when when you're looking at a ball being kicked, um, you hear it being kicked before it's gets to yeah, you. Yeah. So for a goalkeeper, that's vitally important to know when it's been struck. Um, that's right. And, and then there's other little things, you know, you can't hear people coming up behind you. Um, so th- there must have been lots of stuff she was missing out on. And I think this has completed her as a goalkeeper. And, you know, now she's now 100%. Um, she looks very impressive in goal. And I think she's grabbed her opportunity with both hands. Yeah, no, we discussed that uh, uh Penny and I would discuss that. Like, uh, uh, you, you said, Sean, to, to have three. Oh, well, I'm, I'm saying world class keepers. I mean, mm. yeah. Mackenzie Arnold, Lydia Williams, and Tegan Micah. And you're going, well, who's number one? I mean, yeah. it, it would yeah. still be that. So, like you said, I mean, if either one of those, well, any one of those get injured, the, the replacement is equally good. Oh, look at uh, it and, and do that and, across and the. Be in that position. 
to do that across the back line as well. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter now. We've got two very good centre-halves who started. We've also had two very good centre-halves that are in the wings. We've The same with the full-backs. The same, although Tamika Yallop got injured towards the end, and I hope it's not serious. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got players now that can come in. No, I haven't yet. Yeah, a little, little bit of info. Uh, Gustafsson reckons she even said she could have played on. Mm. Um, oh, okay. But he was like, "No, no, big." Oh, he said last night. Come. Yeah, yeah. So whether yeah. that's whether that's gamesmanship or whether he's bluff- or whether it is just a case of, you know, let's yeah. not risk anything in a friendly match. All right, Hugh, I've got to ring my next guest very shortly. So, um, look, you got it. Thank you for filling in a, a, a literally that's a second right, no, a second's no, notice. No, I know that, but yeah, look, I thought it was important we talked to you about your, your trip in Japan um, as the sole <laughs> Australian <laughs> representative. How many, how many games have got beat? Yeah, good on you, mate. <laughs> no, no, but you were there. I mean, that's you were the only Australian there, mate. That's and you were in the final, yeah. both and, finals. And, well, that's right. Yeah, there's, there's photos there. And and if uh, anyone is, is interested, we have our uh, monthly tournament down at 22 Titchbourne Street, Coburn. It's uh, uh, the, the elite cricket centre there, but yep. we're just off the little bit of, of the side there. So that's going to start at about nine o'clock, nine till about three o'clock in the afternoon. Free entry, all welcome. We're happy to show you how uh, how this game is. It's uh, it's one of the games I've, I enjoy playing. It's yep. you know, there's no there's no uh, power involved. Girls, boys. It's not it's, it's not artificial. It's real. It's not electronic. It's real. If you, nope, yeah. it's real. That's right. And and you know, it, unlike uh, some sports where oh look at that big bruiser, like he's going to knock me over. No, no, there's none of that. It is all on the table. Your little man. Uh, you flick him, and it's down to precision and 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 euro ball control. It, it's yeah, it's a three sixty tabletop game, uh, and that anyone anyone can compete at yep. an equal level. Yep, yeah, absolutely. All right, Hugh, thank you very much, mate. No worries, Sean. You take it easy. You Peter, too, buddy. You on with me next week or what? I am indeed. Yep. Yeah, Peter, we'll be back next week. Sensational. Well, there you go, listeners. You're going to have me two weeks in a row, aren't you, lucky? <laughs> Can't believe our luck. All right, mate. Cheers. <laughs> All right, boys. See you, mate. you take yeah. it easy. Enjoy the show. I'll uh, I'll catch up with you later soon. See you next week, Pete. See ya. Okay, that was um, what's his Hugh. name again? Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there? Um, yeah. Look, it's great that he's been over th- over there and representing. And I think the other thing is, and it's so important, that this game can be played at so many different ways, at so many different yep. levels, uh, and you can enjoy it. Whether, whether you're a statistician, whether you're a walking footballer or you play Sabutio, there are still places you can play this game, love this game, and, yeah, that's what makes it so great. All right, we're going to go to an ad break. We'll be back after that with um, Dave, David Clag. Uh, Craddock, who is the manager at the Buraloo Museum. So we'll talk to him after these. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. Greatness is all around us. On pitches, fields and playgrounds. At home and far away. It lives in the past 
and it's in the faces we look up to and in those we see every day. Greatness is all around us. It takes us beyond limitations, beyond possibility. Beyond doubt. Beyond expectations. The only question is, where will it take us next? Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Mustn't be, I do like those World Cup um, promos. They're very well They do, made. and they, they, they show that it's a you, bigger yeah. picture for, for Absolutely, it as well, yeah. So. All right, so um, not so much Women's World Cup, but um, State League Division 2. All right, over in Division 2, last week's results were Curtin University had a 4-2 win over Swan United, Morley Windmills 2-0 away win over Belga. Karamar, Shamrock Rovers and Joondalup City played out a 2-all draw. Maddington Kalamunda had a 1-0 home win over Kingsley Westside. Canning City and Ashfield won all, and Quinns were 3-2 winners over Wanneroo City. Uh, this afternoon's matches, Canning City are at home against Maddington Kalamunda. Karamar Shamrock Rovers are hosting Ashfield. Wanneroo City are at home against Joondalup City. Belga travelling to Swan United. Kingsley Westside at home against Curtin University. And Morley Windmills will be hosting Quinns FC. Kingsley yeah. Westside, uh, five points clear at the top of the yeah, table there. Lost their first game last week to Maddington, so interesting Second game. Second game. They've well, had two losses. Game, two losses. Okay. Well, but yeah. still, still, yeah. Yeah, not something they're used to. and It's um, look, still anyone's league, really. Yeah. Okay, joining us on the line now is Dave Craddock, who is the manager of the, or the State Library Manager for Heritage and Engagement and is partly or the man responsible for the Game Changers exhibit that's running at the moment. David, good morning. How are you? Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for being on, mate. Um, look, the, the Game Changers uh, exhibit, I've seen some of the stuff on, on the internet and it looks really, really good. What was, what was behind that? Who, you know, where did that idea come from and why now? Sure. So it really is more than an exhibit and I can explain why. It started as an oral history project where there's an arts and cultural organisation called the Centre for Stories to operate in Western Australia and we yep. partnered with him to them, rather, to go out and record the stories of 10 significant Western Australian trailblazing women in football. And they uh, range all the way up to people right now. So we have Iska Brooking, a current junior Matilda, the right back to, say, Sandra Brednall, pioneering woman in soccer. Absolutely. So the, the, kind of, the kind of backbone of our project started with these 10 recordings, these oral histories, which you can listen to Spotify or the State Library's website, um, just a uh, search of the State Library of Western Australia. And then from there, when we had these beautiful recordings which chart the history of Western Australia's women's story, how do you then exhibit them in an exciting way um, where they're not just kind of lost on a website somewhere, you know? We, we, we try to get them out into the world in some way, and, that, and that's where the um, exhibition comes in. So on our front, Undercroft, in the Perth Cultural Centre, we've built a, effectively a quarter-sized soccer pitch, and on that soccer pitch... There are 10 goals, and you walk amongst those goals, and um, you can see beautiful um, photography, heritage material that each of the women involved in these oral histories have donated. So we've got very significant photos that Sandra has allowed us to digitise of her early career. 
um, beautiful portraits of Tash Rigby, who's another of our um, oral history recordees. So that's the idea. And, and, and to answer your question, why? With the FIFA Women's World Cup coming up, I mean, our job at the State Library is to collect, preserve and share a diverse range of Western Australian stories. And we really identified this as a story which had been undersold. Um, you know, we all know about Sam Kerr, but there, there are these trailblazing women who have forged the path. So we're very interested in telling their story. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, absolutely. And you mentioned Sandra Bretnell was uh, one of them. But, you know, there's so many others. And, you know, they have all been under understated heroes. Um, and as much as the, the women's game in here is, is relatively new, it's it's very old as well. Um, so it's it's quite an interesting exhibit. And it's, it's great to see some of these pioneering women displayed. And I must congratulate you. I don't know whose idea it was to do it on that pitch with the goals, but it, mm. it's so relevant and, and, you know, it just ties everything together. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's a real, it was a real team effort. It was the whole State Library team, our collecting team, our team who tends to do with exhibitions and events. We're just interested in telling this story as an engaging way as possible. What I love about it is there's a little kids kind of skill zone where kids, people can go and, you know, kick a goal past Lydia Williams. Okay. So I think it's going to suck kids in as well. You mentioned the Shamrock Rovers in your um, kind of school report there. We've got a yep. little moment there when we reflect on um, the growth of kids, um, girls playing soccer in Western Australia. I mean, I can run through some of the stories we tell. So Marilyn Leonard, we've got a very... Australia's first female referee in 1993. She's the first woman to um, referee an NSL game. We tell her story. We've got Sandra Brentnell, Jamie Page from Perth Pride FC, Tracy Wheeler, who's a very significant Australian goalkeeper, Caitlin Smith, our current Paramatilda goalkeeper, Anne Odov, I know has a connection Mm -hmm. to this show. We tell her story, the Matilda media manager. Michaela Lyons from Fremantle City FC, we tell her story. Lydia Williams and Tash Rigby. And then, as I mentioned, it's also Ishir Brooking, the current junior Matilda. We tell her and her mum's story and how they've kind of found community in women's soccer in WA. For us, you know, we, we, we collect significant Western Australian heritage material. It's also been an amazing opportunity to meet a whole new community and get all of this incredible photography coming into the building, which we're digitising. And I must say, any and I hope, you know, obviously very <laughs> connected with the show you're presenting right now. She's been a huge help, um, as has Elizabeth Brett, the um, WA Football Hall of Fame. You know, we, this is a new community that we've needed to yeah. meet in order to capture this new material. And whilst we're talking about um, undersold and undersung heroes, Black Klasnich is also part of the WA Hall of Fame, but um, yeah. uh, a great historian for for the local game. That's right, and Brett has been of assistance as well, and with, um, Penny has helped us, and Brett, with, with a timeline. So on the front of the library, there's a 31-metre-long timeline where you can walk from left to right and really get a sense of how from 1921 until today, the mm-hmm. game has evolved, the women's game has evolved, and we've got beautiful um, uh, digitised newspapers. There's a beautiful one there from Woodville Reserve in North Perth, which is where I happen to walk my dog every yeah. afternoon. There's, there's an amazing photograph and newspaper clipping there of women playing there in the 1940s. Um, that kind of stuff. It really does chart the history of the women's game. Now, how we end up from a very um, inactive community to hosting the Women's World Cup. 
Yeah, look, and I think one of the important things there is that you've gone through 10 real pioneers. And look, I think Tash is someone that everyone knows. She's a current glory player, captain of the glory. But, um, you know, we, we talk about great West Australians that have played the game, Sam Kerr, obviously, and Lisa Devanna. There's, there's, you could come up with another 10 names that you could just throw out there, but I think the 10 you selected are, are for the right reasons. Um, and particularly Anno Dong, who, as a, as a very young lady, was in this studio with Penny all yes. those years ago. And it's, it's just as important that we honour the media because, you know, we can play this game, but if it's not out there and if people aren't doing those behind-the-scenes things and promoting the game, um, her contribution is as important as the players. Yep. 100%. And that's been very helpful throughout the project, giving us, getting us access to Lydia Williams and helping us gather those photographs and stories. But you're right, you're right about the how do you choose... It's an impossible task. How do you choose... 10 people to spotlight. I mean, there, yeah. there's 100 people we could have spotlighted. Yeah. And we tried to give as many people as possible a nod, particularly along the timeline. But um, it's a diverse, complicated story. That's one thing. Coming at, as a complete outsider, yeah. particularly when you look at the, the mergers of the club um, throughout the 70s, it's a complicated story with many people involved. <laughs> and oh, yeah. And then you look at some, If you go through on a club perspective, I did hear... Um, you know, some about, you know, it's a shame we didn't see more about a particular club. But when you look at it, um, you know, Redbacks have had a massive, uh, or as they are now, the Red Star, um, particularly in the women's game, a huge influence, as have Balcata and then Queen's Park, who were, were dominant in the last 10 years or so, um, and also a big connection to the Learmont family as well. So I think, you know, as you said, this is going back to 10 individuals and the different contributions yeah. they made. And I think the other thing is, and, and you mentioned Lydia Williams, um, the Lydia Williams story is, you know, fantastic. Um, both she and Tash from from the country town, so Tash from Margaret River and um, Lydia from Narragin, and also with, with Lydia um, being a, a native Australian, uh, hasn't been made a lot of, but really is significant that, you know, we, we talk about a lack of Aboriginal players in, in both male and female. Um, we've had quite a, few, uh, quite a few successful Aboriginal women playing, but Lydia's one of, one of the best um, we have ever had. Lydia Williams, her story is particularly strong, and in her oral history she talks about, as a young Abor Aboriginal woman growing up in Kalgoorlie, um, Kathy Freeman being an inspiration yep. for her. Mm -hmm. the, the, the thing that uh, comes through in all of these is just the tenacity required. Because structurally, if you know funding may not have been as strong as it could have been, to rise to the top of this particular field, you have to have an awful amount of tenacity. Particularly the the, the really trailblazing, you know, the, the Sandra story. She talks about playing in two dollar target boots and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's really a story about strength. And kicking back, really. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a real pleasure to be involved in um, learning and, and researching and, and helping tell this story. And as much as things have changed, things seem to stay the same as well. I was somewhere, I can't remember where it was, I heard it now, but they're saying that half of the teams playing in the Women's World Cup are playing down in hand-me-down shorts from the men's team, which, no, no, but it, it happens, you know, and, and it doesn't, doesn't recognise the anatomy of men and women are completely different and that's why a lot of the women roll the shorts up because they're 
wearing men's shorts. Yeah. But it shows that, and you, you said, you know, the the lack of desired funding. It, let's let's just replace it with there was no funding and there was no um, help given to anybody. When Lisa went over to Melbourne, she had to pump gas and other things just to m- make ends meet. Um, you know borderline homeless just just so she could play football Mm. um and people do not realize the resilience that these women have had um to dominate in what is very largely a male dominated game even at women's level um you know most of the men were coach coaching these teams um and it's now only now that we're starting to see the the growth of women as coaches and you know there is now some crossover from men men's teams being coached by women so i think it's, it's great to see but the, you know it doesn't happen without these pioneers that's right and i mean resilience is a really strong that's a that's a good way to describe it it's kind of um quite emotional a, a part of this exhibition is we have speakers within the exhibition so as you walk up and down the pitch you have 20 minutes kind of a highlight package yeah and 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 that is really something that comes across the, 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 yep. the resilience required when when structurally you know, um, politics or funding may be against you, but I'd like to think things are definitely heading in the right direction and much better. I enjoyed watching the game last night, that's for sure. Yeah, who didn't? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I think, I mean, I read stories about men football players. I spoke to Dino Gilbert not so long ago who, you know, Everyone thinks that he's had a golden path to being a professional footballer. He didn't. He had to battle. He had to 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 go through deprivation to get to where he was. Um, Kevin Keegan, who won the Ballon d'Or as an Englishman, was told that as a junior, "Go away, son. You're too small." And the only thing that carried him through was his doggedness and his resilience, and and being able to just really concentrate on that prize. I know gifted footballers who have all the talent in the world who weren't prepared to fight and, and to go without to make that dream work. And you look at them as players and go, but you could have made it. And it's only when you know you realise that they wouldn't have done because they weren't prepared to go through the deprivation to get there. So anyone who's made it, uh, and particularly people like Ronaldo, Messi, yes, they, they're multimillionaires now, but there were times in their lives where I imagine they were, were on the brink of being broken, starving mm. to get where they are. And, and people don't know that. And then on top of that, it was doubly difficult for any woman who wanted to become a football player because, as Sandra says, there just wasn't. There just were no women footballers. And then at a certain age, she was told, right, you can't play with the boys anymore. Um, you know, where do you go when that when that all disappears? So I think, you know, there, there is resilience at one level and then there's resilience plus. And, you know, some of these women didn't have to a path to follow they made the path for others to follow and i think it's, it's what your exhibit does is display that doggedness i think one particularly powerful story which we enjoyed understanding and retelling it, it gets one whole goal on our pitch it's the 1977 tour to the medeca cup where yeah. for the first time a wa team of women you know, go to the Medeca Cup and, 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 you know, semi-professionally would be the wrong word, you know, very limited resources. Um, and just to be the first team to go abroad is um, quite a powerful thing. I'd encourage people to listen to that particular story and Sandra's reflection on that. That, that seems to be the kind of big bang moment. When, and then yeah. the following year they go to Taiwan, the women, and, and just, get you know, obviously 
football was beginning to grow in Western Australia, but then to get out of the country uh, was particularly um, tough. And uh, I enjoyed hearing that side of the story. So I was just walking in the studio with the West Hampshire and I've been distracted. <laughs> he looks magnificent, by the way. <laughs> um, so I suppose, look, the thing is that the, the display, I, what I've seen visually is really good, but now you've, you're tying it into these oral histories and it's so, such an important part of hearing those women's stories in their own voices. So I take it this is an interactive display. Um, I've saw the QR codes on some of those That's right. billboards. So um, how does that work? Yeah, sure. So it'll be in the front undercroft of the State Library until August 28. It was originally going to be August 20, but then I, I, I rethought, I thought, what happens if the Matildas win? We need to celebrate for a week. You mean so if? <laughs> There's no if. <laughs> there is no yeah, if, but... David. <laughs> That's right. So, so, so I left it up. So we're going to leave it up until August 28, and people can come. There's QR codes on each goal where you can use your phone to scan and hear each um, story. But also, if, if you can't come in for whatever reason, it's also on our website, and you can hear those stories um, yeah. at the State Library website. Um, yeah, very interactive. And also, if you don't want to do the QR code thing, you can just walk through it, and for 20 minutes, you can hear a highlight package of all of these um, women's stories. Yeah, but the State Library is such an accessible place now with um, the railway access and everything else. There's really no excuse um, to go in there. How long do you think it would take you to, to go through the um, the whole exhibit in, in a leisurely fashion? Uh, I would say 20 minutes would be a good amount of time to walk through it because then you could hear the full loop. Lunch break, people. Kind of lunch breaks. <laughs> get out there. Anyone working in the city, get out there in your lunch Love break. Yeah. No, look at yeah. we we have to embrace this, and it's important. You know, if we're going to move forward, we need to know where we came from. And you know, look, I've spoken to Sandra myself on this program, uh, lovely lady, and you know, fantastic and such a wealth of knowledge. Um, Tash is a regular contributor. Unfortunately, she got that busy today; she wasn't able to be on. I was looking forward to talking to her because um, she's just a ball of energy, that girl. But. Um, you know, to to hear their stories in their own words is very very power, powerful and very empowering. I imagine for a young girl who's you know starting out, and we talked about a, a young Australian player. Um, you know, these these pathways these girls have now were forged by these women when there was no pathway. Yeah. I, I remember Tracy Wheeler when she was playing for. Um, for Forestfield in, in their ladies' team, um, and she was, you know, a, a great goalkeeper back then, and and to see her playing for the nation, just for the club, was fantastic. Um, but you know, we had no idea of the hardships that she'd endured. So I think it's great that you are doing it, David. And it's a wonderful exhibit. Thanks, Sean. It's very much a team effort. I think, yeah, we're we're proud of the whole set, and and with the centre of the story all together. Thanks for having me on. No, no, thank you. Look, and and thank you and the team. I think, you know, the one common thread I've seen um, throughout all of you, and that includes Penny and Brett, yourself, is that this isn't about you. You're all people that just quite happy to sit there in the background and promote others. But this stuff doesn't happen without you having some tenacity and some resilience and, you know, the drive to make it happen. So thank you for your contribution. Good on you, thanks, Joe. Oh, you've revved me up now. I feel like going out and playing soccer. <laughs> Mate, do look, and if you if you haven't played before, that's and and you're older. Walking football is a great thing. Oh, I have, no, I have. I played for 15 years indoor, and I did my ACL last year. So it's, then walking. My, my days. Are, 
Walking my football. days are over. No, they're not. Walking okay. football, mate. I, I snapped my Achilles at 40, and I thought that's my playing days over. Um, I went back to playing veterans for a few years, and when I was still sore from last week's game on the Sunday morning, I thought, no, I'm going to give it away. I've taken up walking football. I'm a man invigorated. Love it. I'm back in the game. I'll have to give it a go. Do. I'm an advocate for walking football. All right, mate. Thank you very much for being on, and thank you for what you do. Good on you. Thanks a lot, Sean. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. All right, Dave Craddock from um, from the, the State, Library. State Library, who is their Heritage and Engagement Manager. Um, and we've got all the links on our Facebook group, so yeah. if you missed that, if you don't know where the State Library is, if you... Look, and, and I think I suppose the thing is that everybody on that exhibit and behind that exhibit are friends of, of the station. We'll, yep. we'll push them massively. And I know people like Brett and Penny don't want the accolades, but they certainly deserve some mm-hmm. um, because you know, they're, they've been pivotal in the engagement in this. So, yeah, fantastic to, to hear David there and obviously a man passionate for the game. Very much so. All right. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. That was quite refreshing, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, so a bit more going on in the world. We're going to talk to Phil Kelly next. We're going to we'll go to an ad break, um, but we've got some women's football. We do indeed have yeah. some women's results. So uh, Perth uh, last week's results: Perth Red Star versus Hyundai was postponed. Uh, Fremantle City had a one nil win over Mum FC. Belcada Etna five one over Curtin University and. Perth SC had a 7-0 win over Subiaco. So um, in the table there, Perth uh, so Perth Red Star still top of the table with a four-point buffer and a game in hand. Uh, Fremantle City second and Perth SC third. Uh, midweek, there'd also been a cup match with Murdoch University, uh, sorry, Mum FC, having a 1-0 win over uh, Fremantle. Uh, which does mean, interestingly, Perth Red Star, even if they wrap the league up, they're not in the cup final because Perth dumped them out in the quarterfinals. So uh, it'll be Mum FC versus the winner of either Hyundai NTC or Perth SC. I don't know why one semi-final was on July the 12th and the next one's not till August the 2nd, but... Who's hosting club? Well, it's got uh, it's at Litter Stadium. Okay, yeah, no, I don't know why then. Because I know the, the Perth game was postponed because Dorian Gardens is now a training venue. Um, obviously, Kingsway Olympic have got the same issues as as do um, yep. uh, Sorrento. So, look, it's it's been a bit of an impact on the leagues. But um, oh, I, I, again, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a sacrifice. I think other other than the bottom two clubs, I think that's still a very close league. It and, is, yeah. It is. So yeah, and and obviously, sort of, we feel a bit sorry for Curtin University in particular, um, who are struggling and were in the league to sort of, you know, take it out to a nice round, round eight, eight teams. And um, I, I can't imagine it'd be a lot of fun for either the coaches or the players. No, and, it's, and it's not. Having played for practically yeah. every team I played for had results like that, um, which you can infer what you like about my own abilities then. I don't know. I, I was still normally on the bench for even those teams. I, I played in a social side with some friends and I think we didn't win a game for two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually celebrated the draw because it was the best <laughs> result we had in two years. So um, sometimes you, your reasons for playing football aren't about the results and not about league position. They're just about playing. Yep. And I think, you know, Curtin certainly pioneered some of the things that were going on. Uh, the only problem with Curtin as a club is that they're quite reliant on their student population being yeah. 
Keane being good. And I think last year they had a couple of Americans who'd gone to the uni who were then playing football, yep. who had been through the American system, which is very good. That Maybe that hasn't happened this year. And I think Subiaco, um, there's a funding issue and they don't have Devanna and Master Antonio playing for them. So there's some things. I, I think there's, obviously with the MPL, there's some uh, shaping of that league going on. Mm-hmm. But it, it's important that we have a strong women's MPL. Yes. And, and hopefully the, the World Cup will improve the engagement. Um, I know there's a lot of women that have played for Red Stars who are playing elsewhere now and, and getting opportunities. And I think if we don't get too caught up in the results, um, hopefully their exposures playing at the level will help them lift their game and become more competitive. And yep. I think that's, you know, I don't like seeing teams get absolutely belted but at the same week time week, yeah. it does you could have the strongest women's npl and someone will still be bottom oh yeah someone will always be bottom yeah, yeah. <laughs> so look it's, it's there i think you know power to the clubs that are out there we need to get behind them and as you said can't be can't be easy for those women to turn up week in week out yeah um but they've got to keep their heads up that's right um some of them may be very very young playing in those, those squads and the important thing is, no, you will get older, you will get better if you keep trying. And and to be honest, let's be honest, if they were to win a game, yeah. I'm sure they would celebrate like it was a cup final. Well, I know, look, um, from my experience in, in this season, we, we had a run of losses and we got to a point where we were um, you know, worried about, and concerned about the side and, and where they were. And we've changed our, our philosophy about, you know, win at all cost. There's By we, you're referring to Ashfield? Ashfield, yeah, yep. it is... Let's let's not lose. Yeah. Uh, last week, great example. One 0 down against Canning, who have improved out of sight, mm-hmm. um, and the side just kept grinding away to get that result. And and a draw, as much as it's not a win, is not a loss. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know when you're looking to stabilise and and build, and we've got a very very young squad. Um, losing is a habit. Mm-hmm. Not losing is also a habit. Yeah. And if you're not losing c- consistently enough, you'll start winning. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah. and that's where we are, you know. And I think it's uh, sometimes we get so caught up that we, you know, one nil down, and we press madly to to try and win, or we get to one all, and then we keep pressing and end up losing. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. But yeah, it will happen for them. All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this with Phil Kelly, Football West Life member, and we'll we'll talk about a number of subjects, some of which he doesn't even know about yet. <laughs> but we'll start after these. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au These players they want more. They want to step off that field and win. Just when Australia was crying out for a hero, they found one. The Matildas now get to measure themselves against world's footballing elite. Till we outrun them. Keep it going, we're not done till it's done. All the way through. Till the pain pays off. Till we make you roar. Till we tell a bigger story. 
Till we settle the score. You don't mess with it. Till we stop them all. You can't beat the best. Till we do you proud. We're not like the rest. We're not done. Till it's done. One oh seven point nine FM, your local station. Okay, and switching over to an article here, uh, Football Australia has confirmed a second fixture for the Socceroos in the October men's international window, uh, with the Socceroos taking on New Zealand in London on Tuesday, October the 17th. That follows our scheduled match on the Friday beforehand, where we're playing England, currently ranked number four in the world, but I think we all remember how well it went for the English last time Australia played them. Yeah. In a friendly match. Uh, yeah, it was a friendly look at nothing. The the whole point about this tournament is it's going to be the real deal and you know um the extra edges are all the differences. We're we're playing on home soil. That in itself will make the Australians a little stronger. Oh hang and, on, we're talking about two very different I'm talking the men's here. Oh men's well it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. yeah. But um yeah, so and, and the interesting thing with the New Zealand game yeah. is they have they're calling it the Ashes because they have rediscovered a trophy that had been lost for 50-odd years, Yeah, um, which contained... So the trophy was a powerful symbol of Australia and New Zealand national men's teams early years, containing the ashes of cigars smoked by the team's first captains, Alex <laughs> Gibb and George Campbell, housed in a safety razor case that was carried at Gallipoli. Wow. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and like historically speaking, obviously, Australia's first ever international football match was against New Zealand. Yep. A um, hundred years ago, so it also, you know, centenary. Well, as, long cetera, as, not, as long as we're not playing those poms and they have us lecture about the spirit of the game <laughs> whilst, whilst they're still cheating themselves. I, I know so little about cricket, and yet I've even picked up this conversation by all Do you know, I, I, all I need to know about cricket, I can encapsulate in one sentence. What's that? I hate cricket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go to our guest now who graciously has joined us, uh, messed him around a bit different times and different things and thrown him under the bus, and I'm going to throw him under the bus again in a minute, is Life Football West Life member Phil Kelly. Phil, good morning. How are you? Oh, let's see, I'll throw him under the bus I'm again. good, but I can only just hear you. Yeah, no, no, I'll fix that now. Yeah, we've, had, we've had a great morning here, you know, <laughs> gremlins. Yeah, it and, sounds and, like it. Yeah, I oh, look and guess. <laughs> I, look, Hayley Roach, bless her. Um, rang me this morning and said, look, I can't, I don't have a voice. Um, I can't do it. And then she went through four different uh, former Matildas and uh, an author. And she did her best to get someone. But um, you're you're now off the bench and in her space. So uh, thank you for that. No problem at all at any time. All right, now we did speak roughly about a rough subject, but I, I, one came up earlier in the day and I thought it would be an interesting one to, to expand on. Um, obviously, Betway, who are the West Ham major sponsor, have given up their space on the front of the shirts for DT38 and thank you to them for doing so because great cause to get behind and they could have sold that space on to somebody else. But it does raise the question around betting and betting funding and how we use it and and the the whole you know, we're, we're quite happy to accept it but then we don't we don't encourage it so i suppose look it's it's quite crazy i know the the um national side has, has had a major uh, betting sponsor but then 
there's rules within the game that tell you if you hold a position within the club as a player, coach or administrator, you can't bet on games. So, um, and betting, obviously, uh, I, I don't know any gamblers that are really successful. I know a lot that aren't. So, mm. what's your thoughts, Phil? Well, well I've got, yeah, good, good topic, actually. I don't know if, I know you're definitely aware, Sean, but um, if the listeners are, but recently there was a, Almost a scandal that involved Football Australia in relation to betting. And yep. in, in particular, um, I guess, the exposure of these live betting um, agents, for what of a better term, that we find sitting on the side of pitches down in social metro leagues and I find it. I find it in interesting level. that it's you know come up as a, a new thing now because I I seem to recall we went back what ten years when we had people mm-hmm. sat in the stand with a mobile phone and mentioned it back yep. then as to who are they what are they doing and let's, it was look, let's, let's cut, yeah we could cast our eyes back to that period okay so we're talking eight nine years ago back yep. then in Southeast Asia the deregulated gambling market was worth a trillion dollars. Yeah. US. Yeah. Right? So that means that there are there is a trillion US dollars being gambled on deregulated gambling markets and a lot of that is coming into Australian sport. And we're talking Australian sport, not you know, I don't know, betting on the Sheffield Shield or Com- coming the into NBL or, or, or coming out of or is built on the back of. I beg your pardon? Is that coming into... I mean, if a trillion dollars coming into the sport, why aren't we number one sport? If it's coming out of this sport or is being or is utilising this sport to generate a trillion dollars for someone's new Ferrari um, uh, in China or Taiwan... This money is, this, this money is, I'm sure, it's deregulated. There's yeah. no idea where it's going. And the estimates are that it's worth a trillion dollars. And that was almost a decade ago. Yeah. I'd hate to think with inflation at 7%, Mostly, yeah. mostly around the world, what that figure is today, mm. and it's probably closer to ten trillion dollars. It's probably an obscene number. Yeah, but but the so trickle back in, of into the game demand for it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but the trickle uh, back, it's not into, going the back into the game. At all, is it? No, that's the thing. However, when you've got these betting agents on the front of many EPL clubs, right? It's yep. not just. So most of the. Um, and I need to be very careful. I'm not going to say anything. On no, no, mind, but, but but even but some ne- of the foreign, some of the foreign sponsors that are on, particularly Asian markets and that sort of yeah. thing that are on EPL shirts are betting companies. Yes, so, so betting companies on the front of EPL shirts are not an unusual thing. No, but I suppose look, and again with those clubs, it's out there. If you know, obviously, uh, I mentioned West Ham because Betway are mm-hmm. quite out there on their shirts. Everyone knows that that's mm-hmm. what what their their sponsor is and what they do. Uh, I suppose <coughs> when you look at the Australian national side, there is no recognition yeah. and, and there's a lot of regulation against gambling, but we're quite prepared to take a couple of bucks off you anyhow. Without, yeah, well, what disturbed me about yeah. the FA thing is that a lot of it's being swept under the rug and there's no real public disclosure about what their relationship with the betting companies is. Yeah. Now, rugby, rugby came out. They were very transparent and open. They, they did say what it was. Um, however, footballs remained pretty quiet on it, and no one really seems to care a great deal about it, which is interesting. Well, very interesting because we you know obviously there there must be some money coming in. So if there is, 
who's getting that and where's it where's it going mm. so you know exactly look exactly right uh, i think but there is a four, there is a four corners um uh, i guess editorial piece on it yeah. and people should watch that and then probably go and ask questions yeah. and there are plenty of questions to ask so but it's interesting, so it's interesting that the, because considering that not one single registered player yeah. is allowed to gamble on any football match anywhere in the world. But it's not just yeah. players, um, administrators, coaches, um, volunteers who've registered to the club cannot. No, exactly right. So, so if the betting or the gambling company, or well, the betting company, so I should say, mm. is sponsoring the FA, to what end? Yeah. Why? Because it's really at the end of the day, the only marketable quantity or quality is in the members of the FA, Football West, yeah. Football New South Wales, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, wonder what are they getting for their money? Yes, absolutely. And then I suppose mm. the, the controversy came came about because some of the games that they were betting on were under-18s games which had 16-year-olds who are obviously not old enough to gamble um, playing yeah. in them, and then whether we're exploiting children. So, um, and I guess, look, it's, it is part of, of people's entertainment and I, I don't decry people that enjoy a punt. I do not. Mm-hmm. I've got two children that do. Um, but for me, it's never, never, ever fired me up. I've, I don't get it and I don't understand it. But um, for some people, part of their entertainment is to put 20 bucks on whatever and, you know, just to make it more interesting. Um, I I don't put any money in a game because I find it interesting, so I don't know. It's, and, and then, and particularly when I was a young fellow and I was a very young dad, every single cent I had was spent before I'd earned it and I worked too bloody hard to just give it away. Oh, absolutely. And look, and I think if you listen to all of the gambling ads that you see, that, well, I mean, let's be honest, we're exposed to it a lot. And they now say to you, you know, you you aren't going to win. Yeah. Um, you're more likely to lose. It was a very, um, that's a very interesting shift for, for this year. That that's really become apparent. And it says, no matter what you gamble, you're going to lose. It, and it, you know, it's, it's I suppose look very much down the tobacco line of of um, of uh, advertising. You know, we're, we're going to kill our best customers. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't understand why people do it take it up but that's that's purely me but if someone enjoys gamble fine um if they enjoy a ciggy fine but don't do it around me um and that's <laughs> yeah but, yeah yeah um but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's an interesting thing but what, what bothers me the most about the whole thing is the silence from the fa and the fact that i think the vast majority of people would prefer that we do remain quiet on it and that's probably because I mean, let's be honest, gambling is a bit of an Australian tradition, right? I mean... Of course it is. Thing, mm-hmm. right? and, and Two up and... Yeah. It's part of the sporting landscape here. And maybe, that's, maybe that is something. Maybe there's something in that. Um, but what really disturbs me is, really in the detail, is that, you know, registered participants in football cannot gamble on football. And well, if you take it a step further... There, there is now a push for a ban on gambling um, sponsors being on the front of shirts. So where where does that does that then drive them back a level now? 
Um, I can remember back in the in the seventies that most of the racing teams were sponsored. You know, the Formula One was sponsored by um, Big Tobacco, yeah. and you know, you saw the JPS specials going around, and you know, everyone had a, a cigarette hanging out of their face, uh, and that stopped. And then, obviously, the, the changing in laws around smoking um, put those hideous pictures on packets of cigarettes, and now they're, they're sold um, as almost as if they're, yeah, well, forbidden. And you know, but they still the market still grows. They still manage to get a, a market, and people go, "Oh yeah, look, that's going to give me give me lung cancer. I'll, I'll buy some of them." <laughs> it's an interesting point you've just raised there, right? Yeah. So I think back in the day, you know, when tobacco, tobacco advertising was right and you know, we're still yeah. smoking in pubs and everywhere and in restaurants. When you're out tonight and you're having a look at people down in the pub, they'll be playing with their phone. Yeah, yeah. And if you know what to look for, how many are actually on live betting apps? And if you look at it, many, many, many are. The, right? the, the, smartphone, the smartphones thing. have really increased the accessibility of gambling to the masses. And within that, mm. um, you know how easy it is for someone who, who's under 18 to then just tell their phone they are 18 and yep. have at it. So we, we are enslaving people very early. Well, and, and in, We yeah. are fortunate, though, in some cases. I mean, look, there's a big difference between a regulated gambling market yeah. and, and those that are deregulated. And we yeah. probably should... There is a big distinction between them because they do do things like prevent problem gamblers and they ban problem gamblers right, then, and they're, they're compelled to do so. And, and absolutely right. And, and the black market or the, the unregulated gambling then puts in other issues. And, you know, we've, we've seen it before, even at um, state league levels where – there's yeah. been there's been some results and everyone goes, whoa! How did that happen? How 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 did that result go that way? Looking at the form of both sides, and you know we, we scratch our heads. But there's you know it's so hard to investigate, I suppose. Yeah. So I miss you. Then it broke up. Talking about the some sometimes you see some strange results. You know, a team that's been unbeaten in two years um, is all of a sudden beaten by a side that's never even beaten a team. To to be fair, that yeah. happens in football normally on occasion, which is why it's so yeah. hard to investigate. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But here, but let me let me put this scenario to you, okay? Yeah. So we're talking. I don't know. Amateurs Division Three. Yeah. Okay? If you could find an app that you could gamble on that in China or India or yeah. Thailand or something <laughs> like that, okay. And then. Now, I mean, let's not suggest for a second that anyone you could go and you could go and bribe someone to throw a game, right? Yeah. However, you might well know that an entire team has gone to a wedding or is unavailable because of a flu or something like oh, yeah, some that. Oh, yeah, something. And we've had that in the state league where um, there's been a wedding in Bunbury and no one's available for the match. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. So I mean, there is that issue as well. Yeah. I mean. And, I mean, let's not even suggest the possibility of bribing. I mean, that would just be um, an, another complexity to, la- to layer on that we just don't need. But yeah. that is there as well, right? But if, you, but if you had insider knowledge that one of the players was getting married in Bali and that his best man was just your top striker and the goalkeeper was also involved... Um, then obviously you would have some insider information around that, and then obviously if, if there was a, a weird result, you you might profit. Mm. Mm, exactly. So I mean, there's a whole load of problems that hinge on it. Yeah, uh, it's worth a fortune. No, it really is an, an obscene amount of money. But, I mean, but look again, I suppose look, 
I'm I'm of a belief that there are people that will find their entertainment through gambling. And look, if you're as long as you're you're gambling your fun money and not your eating money, it's not really an issue. Um, my issue is that a lot of that gambling money is going offshore and it's not been fed back into the game. And I don't have a problem with it being fed back into the game, but what needs to happen is that the governing bodies need to go, yeah, this was generated through gambling. That's, that's how we got it. And, and 100%. Yeah. There needs to be that disclosure. There needs, yeah. to be, there needs to be transparency around it. And when there's not transparency, when it's being hidden, that's when we need to be asking the questions as to why. Well, the other thing is, though, and you, you talk about it being worth a, a trillion dollars, um, what we're getting back is chicken feed. Yeah. 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 I mean, from a trillion dollars, a hundred million dollars is not much. Mm. Right? Yeah. Imagine if that was coming back into the game. If a hundred million dollars was coming back into the game, <laughs> Australia-wide, um, yeah, we'd be in a very, very healthy position. Yeah. And that's a mere fraction of a trillion dollars. Yeah, oh, no, without a doubt, you know, 0.001% or something. So, um, and I suppose, look, that's that's the issue is is that I, I don't mind us chasing revenue. We need to find revenue, but it needs to come back into the game. And let's be honest about how we get it. 100%. And the purpose is for it as well. Why? I mean, at the end of the day, it's the members of football, participants of football that are being marketed. Yeah. How are we being marketed? What is? What is it? And we, we, we touched we on we about? touched on the rule about betting on games. Um, your thoughts on that? Should should players and officials be allowed to to bet on football games that are not within their sphere? I mean, how how much influence as a as a life member of Football West do you have on a game between Auckland and Sydney? I'm not even sure I have much influence on a game I participate in. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so. Well, what I'm saying is, though, and, and we, we always said it's part of the Australian psyche that, that people do gamble. Um, you know, yeah. your, your dollars and cents gamblers, I don't see that there's a massive potential. Someone for not at all. For, for, not the, at all. for the sake no. of a quaddy is not going to um, make a big difference. And I think, you know, again, by, by driving underground and then having some very... Um, heinous penalties for doing it. But bear in mind why that's there, right? That's I know there. why it's there. That's a FIFA rule. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So that's a global requirement. And, and it's there to stop corruption. Yeah. That's the only reason. Right? It's there to prevent corruption. Now, yeah. I don't think that applies. You're right. The a- average punter, no pun intended, um, <laughs> yeah. but for the average punter, that's not going to be an issue for them gambling on an EPL game. Yeah. Or... I look at a lad, a lad playing Division, division Five amateurs is not you know betting betting his two bucks on on a result in the EPL is not going to change the game significantly, is it? <laughs> no. no. But I would say that it'd be. I, I bet you you can't gamble on a third division amateurs game through a heavily regulated. Oh no. Um, yeah. Legislated no. app, right? No. That's a fact. Yeah. And we're talking. There's a big difference here as well between results betting and yeah. live betting as well. Oh no! Look, I was so I was amazed when when I came out here back in 88, and I played for Calamunda, that we were on the English Pools coupon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that was, yeah, for me, that was just amazing. Yeah, but the, the distinction here is on the live betting. Yeah. The live betting, we bet on the fact of whether a throw-in is about to occur or yeah. the first goal kick and that type of thing. Yeah. Mm. There's a massive difference there. Absolutely. As, and look, it just blows me away the massive amount of money that, that is blown on there. Look, um, 
I know I've thrown this topic at you without any warning, but uh, thank you for your input. It's just an interesting discussion to have. Um, and we're not here to fix it. We're just here to just you know, make people aware that it is, there, it is out there and it does happen. I don't know Absolutely. what you could even do. Again, I'm, not, I'm not against gambling per se either, really, at the end of the day. I mean, what people do with their money is up to them. Um, but it's more around the regulation. Yeah, look, your, your average punter that your average punter that just throws, you know, as I said, his recreational money. It's money that somebody else might spend going to the pictures or the theatre or a meal is is not the problem. And there are problem gamblers mm. who have destroyed business lives and families. So there's a distinction yeah. between the two. But you know, the average Joe out there that that has. Um, you know, his, his little betting account and works out of that and pays his 50 bucks a week into it. And when that's gone, it's gone. No problem with yeah. that. Not at all. No, mm. None whatsoever. All right, yeah. Phil, thank you very much for your time uh, and your flexibility within our schedule. <laughs> um, it was good to have you on. Um, and as a, a great backup, thank you. No dramas at all, guys. Catch you soon. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Um, the, on your app, does it tell you how many days and minutes there are to go to um, the Women's World Cup? Well, uh, I think it's actually this Thursday. It's, it's, it is this it's Thursday. Up on me. This Thursday, um, Australia versus Ireland. Yep. No punch-ups? Yeah, no, I've just realised I'm working. I, I've got leave for two weeks, but that's not starting till the weekend. You idiot. Oh, so yeah, I reckon. <laughs> All oh, right, look, lots of good games to, to be had in the meantime. So, starting off with Perth, we've got the um, West Ham game against Glory tonight. Yep. Then on Tuesday, um, West Ham versus Spurs. Then on Thursday, the World Cup starts for real on the TV. We've got games in Perth. Uh, I think the first one is Ireland. 